In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today in the gospel, Jesus talks about, excuse me, the three ways that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. The first thing he says we must do is to know him. The second thing is to do the will of the Father. And the the third thing is to build our house on a solid foundation. In the homily today, I want to focus on the first one, to know God. Because one of the scariest lines in the Bible comes from the reading that I just read. Depart from me, you evildoers, I do not know you. And the people were confused. What do you mean you don't know us? We cast out demons in your name. We did mighty works in your name. We prophesied in your name, Lord. What do you mean depart from me, I do not know you? And what a terrible thing to hear. Imagine a father tells his son, I do not know you. Not that I don't love you, not even that I hate you, but I do not know you because you are a stranger to me. You see, these words are harsher because you can love and hate somebody at the same time. You can love certain things about them, but still hate certain habits or characteristics that they have. Love and hate are strong emotions, and you can only feel those strong emotions because you care about that person. Or at the very least, you care about what they think. I do not know you, on the other hand, is saying you mean nothing to me. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter because you are a stranger to me. This may seem like harsh words coming from Jesus, but this is exactly how some people treat God. It's not that they believe or that they don't believe. It's just that they don't care. This is why Jesus tells us, if you believe in me, believe in me. If you want to deny me, that's fine. At least deny me. Be hot or cold. Do not be lukewarm. At least care about something. Have some integrity, right? Even if we're not lukewarm, my brothers and sisters, even if we choose to believe, we need to understand what knowing God means. Because the people who prophesied, the first thing they said was, Lord, Lord, did we not do X, Y, and Z? They called him Lord. They recognized the lordship of Jesus Christ. They knew about him. They knew that he can work through them. That's how they were able to do all those miracles. But there is a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. What does it mean to know him? What does it mean to know Jesus and to know him intimately? We talk about having a personal relationship with God all the time. But what does that actually mean? What are personal relationships? We all have personal relationships in our lives, right? Your personal relationship with your wife or your husband is a little different than your relationship with your kids, which is a little different than your relationship with your friends, which is a little different than your relationship with your boss. With your, with your spouse, you know everything about them. You know what they like. You know what they dislike. You know which buttons to push to bother them. And some of you do that a little too much, let's be honest. You know their favorite color. You know their favorite food. And if it's a good marriage, you know what they're thinking before they say anything. You have that relationship with them. Your relationship with your friend is a little different. You might know who their favorite basketball player is or what they like to do for fun. With your boss, you might know how he likes his reports. You still have a relationship, right? We still call that a You know him personally. But there are levels to this. And it's different with God. 
God is calling us to something greater because he is greater than anything that ever was. And my brothers and sisters, you can have a personal relationship with God where you know his word, you know his plan for your life, you know his plan for your family's life, where you are so in tune with God that his thoughts become your thoughts and your thoughts become his thoughts. That you will do nothing in life without first consulting him because you know he will guide you through it. Where being with him in adoration is no longer a chore, but a time you look forward to because you just want to be in the presence of God. Where that time in silence with the king of the universe becomes your happy place. Because you know that's one place you can go to and everything just makes sense. God is calling you to that place. God is calling you to that relationship. And I honestly don't know what's holding us back. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know. Maybe we don't want to change. We like certain sins a little too much. What is holding us back? Do we just think this is something for a priest, for a nun, or some holy person that can go into that place? No, it's for every single one of us. In Exodus 19, this is at the desert. So the Israelites got to come out of Egypt, but they're not yet in the promised land. And God wanted to give them that gift, right? He wanted to speak to his people. In Exodus 19, God tells Moses, if you will indeed avoid... I'm sorry, obey my voice and keep my commandment. You shall be my treasured possessions among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He is calling them to a greater relationship. Out of everybody in this world, you are my chosen people. I want to speak to you. He goes on in Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day where there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. God is calling them in, but they're scared. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain because there was thunder. There was lightning. They don't know what's going to happen. What are we scared of? Why are we scared to encounter God? This is their response in Exodus 20. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. You go, Moses. You're the priest. You're the holy man. You're the chosen one. Yeah, God wants to speak to me. I'm too scared. You go, and I'll listen to what you have to say. I'm not ready for God to speak to me. God wanted to give them that beautiful gift on that day, but they were too afraid. God wanted a personal relationship with them, but they were not yet ready. They had the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. If it means we show God reference, if we show God honor, but it's a terrible thing if we're too scared to approach him. That's why there was a veil at the Holy of Holies where the Lord dwelt. And only the high priest once a year took to enter the dwelling place of God. Nobody else could. But that veil was torn, my brothers and sisters. When Jesus resurrected from the cross, that veil was torn. And every single one of us is now invited to the Holy of Holies. Every single one of us is invited to the altar of God to receive him that he may abide in us. If you had a personal relationship with God, should we not be excited to receive him? 
Should we not be excited to hear his word, for him to abide in us? Have you ever left Mass and thought, man, I didn't get anything out of Mass today? I received Jesus in the Eucharist, but I didn't receive anything out of Mass today. You know, Abuna's homily just didn't speak to me. The choir was, uh, they were a little off today. The servers made too many mistakes. I didn't get anything out of it. There were too many kids crying at Mass. Which, by the way, there's no better sound at church than that crying baby. My brothers and sisters, if the church is not crying, the church is dying. Thank God we have our kids here. Parents, if you have your kids, bring them to church. Were we going to get mad at a kid crying? That's what a kid is supposed to do. A kid is supposed to cry. Sure, if he cries, mom, take him outside. And when we take him outside, let's not stare at them. Let's not go. We all do it. Let's be a little respectful. We can all get through this. How beautiful that our kids want to come to Mass. To hear the word of God. To receive Jesus. Going back to Jesus abiding in us. Are we ever excited to come to Sunday Mass? Like, do you ever wake up in the morning, on Sunday morning, like, no way, I get to receive Jesus today. I get to receive you, Lord. No matter how bad the servers are going to be, no matter how bad the choir is going to be, no matter how bad Abuna's homily is going to be, Lord, I'm going to receive you. You're going to abide in me. Do you know how beautiful that is? And we get to do this every Sunday. Because my relationship with you, God, is so solid. No one's going to take it away from me. I don't care what happens. As long as I receive you. I am so in love with you that I repeat the words of St. Paul when he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because for me to live means I get to receive you. You abide in me and I abide in you. And to die means I get to spend forever with you. Because they can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. And this soul is trying to spend eternity in the glory of God. Don't let anybody get in the middle of it. To be so in love with God that nothing in this world matters. We see this in the life of the saints. This reminds me of a story of St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis came from a very wealthy family. He was the only son. His dad was a merchant, and his dad wanted him to take over the family business. But St. Francis wanted to serve God. He had a great encounter with Jesus, and now he spent his life begging and rebuilding the church of God. So his father was not happy about this. See, for St. Francis, his relationship with his heavenly father was a lot greater than his relationship with this earthly father. And his, his earthly father could not stand it. So he took Francis in the middle of the town so everybody can hear. And he said, you, no, you are no longer heir to my possessions. When I die, nothing that I have belongs to you. In other words, he's saying, you are no longer my son. I do not know you. St. Francis responded by taking off his clothes and giving it back to his father. And he said, I no longer need anything you have given me, for I have one father who works in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And he became one of the greatest saints in the history of the church. Relationship requires sacrifice. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to do? 
to grow in that relationship with God. Because he's waiting. He's been waiting. From the moment you were conceived until today, the Lord is waiting to have a relationship with you. What are we willing to sacrifice? Because we've come to a point where we think our relationship with God has become what we do for him. What we give up for him. I gave up X, Y, and Z for Lent, so I know him. No, you don't. That's not how this works. I'm sorry. That's not how this works. We can be the greatest evangelizers. We can be the greatest pro-life workers. We can be the greatest preachers. None of it is going to matter because at the end of it, Jesus can say, depart from me. I never knew you. I know your works, but I don't know you. How come you didn't come search for my heart? How come you don't want to be my friend? It's not about works, even though works are important. Works are a part of the Christian life. Faith without works is dead. But do not let the devil tempt you that your faith is just about what you do. Your faith is about who you are and who you are in him. You see, good works stem from a love of the other. If your husband only buys you gifts and does not speak to you, he's not a good husband. But if your husband loves you so much and buys you a gift out of that love, your husband is a good husband. When we serve the Lord, it's not for brownie points. It's not because, it's because we love God so much. It's because we love his people so much. And out of that love, we want to serve you. That's how love works. And in order to love somebody, we need to know somebody. Get to know the Lord. Spend quality time with him. Conversing with the Lord should be an everyday activity. He should be part of every decision. St. Paul talks about taking every thought captive, that every thought we have during the day stems from our love and our relationship with our Lord Jesus. So when we meet him on that day, he says, I know you. You are my son. I know that one. She is my daughter. And he does not say, depart from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. Amen?